Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. What's up, guys? Welcome to our show. Good people, welcome to our show. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anyone, welcome to our show. Today, we discuss more about SEO, how you can align SEO with uh, products. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with Pedro Diaz. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for, for the invite in the first place. Yeah, yeah. For, I'm, for in, me, I'm in sunny London and, and, it's, and it's like uh, very hot today. So... <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I'm in Florida, you know, in Florida, yeah, uh, it's always sunny. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's raining, but right now it's sunny. Uh, and yeah, actually, I left Ukraine two months ago when the war started, but right now I'm in Florida. So uh, th that was hard, but it's life. We can go ahead, you know, I think the Ukrainian army will destroy Putin in one day. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> so everything what we can do just to help and donate them. Uh, okay, uh, I'm interested about your experience background. Tell our audience uh, more about you, about your experience and why you decided to take this topic. Okay, so my experience. My experience, uh, funnily enough, I started in SEO from mm -hmm. search. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I worked first on a search engine and then came to do SEO after. And mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily teach you SEO the same way because before before working at Google, which I did for five and a half years, I my background was in areas like uh, user experience and web accessibility and usability, etc. So all those cornerstones that are useful also to search engines. Um, you know, search engines are like people with disabilities, so they need some web accessibility features to be able to find content. Mm -hmm. So uh, unconsciously, I already had some of the cornerstones needed to understand what search engines look for. And mm -hmm. when I went to Google in like beginning of 2006, uh, many of the, these things were useful because Google uh, was looking for people that had knowledge in these areas and both uh, web development and web technologies. So I started by looking at search and mm -hmm. what quality search looks like and uh, what the quality website looks like and all the mistakes that people do online and what you shouldn't do in terms of quality and what is spam, what is a bad website, and what is a good quality website. So all this um, all this experience that I gained at, for looking at, what, at websites and how the market moves online and what people do online gave mm -hmm. me a lot of insights. And, mm -hmm. and I gained a vision on how SEO kind of works from there. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's in in a nutshell. That that's mostly. So I've been in working with with search for sixteen years now. Um, uh, nice. With yeah, with and uh, uh, an SEO consultant since like two thousand and twelve. So it's going to be like it's ten years already that I'm an SEO mm -hmm. consultant. Nice, nice. So um, I'm an in-house person now. I've I've worked as as a consultant. I've worked with marketing. And mm -hmm. now I am part of an in-house team, which mm -hmm. is part of product. 
And product mm-hmm. is not nothing else than, um, you know, an engin- a team of engineers and a team of designers and a team of content producing people that kind of come together to build something. And, and you end up working more with the technical side of things than with the marketing side of things. And that's, um, for some time I had, I had the, I had the theory when I worked in marketing, I had the theory that SEO worked and aligned more with, with product than with marketing. And that's the vision that I got also when I worked at Google, but I had not had, had, I did not have hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. So once I came into the side of making, being part and in integrating a product team, I could validate my theories and I can say that, yes, I was right about it. So nice. yeah, in a nutshell, that, that's mostly it. <laughs> nice. Love your experience. Uh, by the way, I want to confess with you because, you know, uh, 10 years ago when I started SEO, uh, I, you know, um, I had only one strategy to create e-commerce pages and bought more backlinks than my competitors had. You know, uh, that worked well. Uh, I got ranking positions, but Google penalized me in 2012 uh, <laughs> with this new uh, filter, Penguin. I didn't know what's going on. How it how it's possible for me to lose my ranking positions because I have more backlinks than my competitors have. My content is more uh, about uh, product marketing. Today, I can see that users intent play a huge role. What do you think about that? So the thing is like, quality is, 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 is right there to, to, to make this, this distinction between mm-hmm. you know, quantity and what's really useful. So mm-hmm. when you say, oh, I have more backlinks than my competitors, that doesn't necessarily is going to give you an advantage because, you know, if I have two links, one from NASA and one from New York Times, and you have like 10,000 mm-hmm. links all from blogspot.com or from whatever, you know, who's going who's gonna to win? So it's mm-hmm. not it's not a matter of quantity, but quality itself. And then, yeah, yeah, it's like Google before like 2012. I mean, Google started to have a better approach to quality like early 2010, like mm-hmm. when when they started like to launch. So they launched Panda in initially in 2011. Yeah. So that's when they started uh, to have a uh, to externalize their concerns with quality content. Because before, mm-hmm. everything was more like, oh, this is spam, so we are going to act on it. And this is not spam. And then there's everything else in, in the middle, which is a gray area. It's like, what about the people that just write content to monetize and there is no other purpose to it? That's not clearly mm-hmm. like spam or keyword surfing or anything. But there's no use to it as well. So mm-hmm. it was like, that that sits in the middle, and and you cannot address it as in a classic way of fighting spam because it's not. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Google had to approach this is another way. So that's Google externalized and made public their algorithms are more focused on quality content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, love it. Uh, okay, uh, can you tell? How to find the right strategy today? For example, if I open uh, any keyword research tools, Google Keyword Planner, SEMrush, Ahrefs, Moz, uh, Uber, such as many other uh, well-known tools, I usually 
see a list of keywords, a lot of keywords, a thousand keywords. But how I do, how to choose the right keywords for me uh, that will, uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, where I can sell my products, where I can get results and uh, uh, where I can win competition. Because today uh, we, we have huge competition with any keyword uh, keywords that we find on tools. Can you provide more insights about that? So it's it's some mo most people that work with a keyword discovery tool mm -hmm. they tend to to start you know looking at these are the keywords that I have to use and then it quickly goes into again the amount of content that I am going to write and the amount of content that I'm gonna put my efforts on and sometimes this is this ties in nicely with the how long should the piece of content be because mm -hmm. it's not about it's not about how many of those keywords that you use or how many how many how how long should your content be it's about what what can you cover with your knowledge mm -hmm. that makes a difference beyond what everyone else has. So I can have more keywords, for example, if I sell tires, whatever, and I start to write about it and I go as, I know there's an infinite amount of content that I can generate about tires, um, mm -hmm. but my business only sells tires. So is it worth for me to, to talk about, uh, I don't know, tire technology really? or uh, how tires are recycled. Um, those are two spectrums of the content mm -hmm. that might not be worthy for me as someone who sells tires to go because it, mm -hmm. you know, my, my audience, which is people that want to buy tires are likely not interested in, you know, how tires are made because that's a very early research phase or they are not concerned on how tires are recycled uh, because that's another concern not necessarily directly tied with miscellaneous tires mm -hmm. so the thing the first the first approach is you have to draw the line where until where you want until how how far on your content are you willing uh, and because it's very easy to get drawn into this infinite game of content that you just like keep uh, going more and more and more and suddenly it doesn't add value anymore to what your business is. So you have to draw the mm -hmm. line, which kind of content adds value to my business and makes me sell or achieve my goals. And then from mm -hmm. there, you have a finite amount of things to work with and you will not feel so overwhelmed and you can produce content based on your knowledge and then your knowledge is what counts like well how can mm -hmm. you make the best product fit the, the the customer that is searching for something so i think that's the best strategy is know knowing where to cut knowing where to start knowing where to finish getting dragged along to the infinite of you know no i have to write 10,000 more keywords than my competitor. Not that's not necessarily going to be a good approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, it's like, for example, for me, uh, to run keyword SEO, 
it's you know if I rent this gear, what? Okay, I can get a lot of traffic. But uh, the first thing, uh, what kind of traffic you can get? Because uh, SEO services are, are quite different to SEO. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's probably relevant traffic but it's not related to my services you know so yeah. yeah i completely agree with that it's better to find where you can sell your products what about content marketing uh for example uh today most customers don't buy from unrecognizable brands how to unite some info keywords with your products uh in your um, content strategy so the problem with content marketing is that is often um First is like it it has it 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 usually I'm not saying that it's all the time this but it usually has a more salesy approach than it should have. Where sometimes it should have a more how what am I gonna give to the user for free? Because content is about giving the users something useful and of value in exchange for their time or for their willingness to stick to your brand so mm -hmm. you have to give them something first for free mm -hmm. that's all that's what content marketing is is like um uh, well, well well it should be otherwise it's just pr um and you you don't want to come off as like purely with the interest to sell you should come off with an interest to help your users Mm -hmm. And and that's where you are. That's when you start to look at content marketing with another angle. Like mm -hmm. you will need to think about what kind of useful or valuable piece of data or advice or whatever am I gonna put in this piece of content that's gonna you know make the users prefer my brand rather than my competitors. And uh, and doesn't look like that. I'm just looking after sales, which you are, but that should be a byproduct of you being useful and valuable to your users. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, can you name three things that uh, all webmasters should do? Okay, okay, we know about content, about links. Let's uh, take away them. Let's accept uh, two things. Uh, other three things that uh, all the masters need to do today. All masters need to do today. Do the basics yeah. very well. I think some people are sometimes too focused on uh, advanced stuff, looking for the advanced things like I want to use artificial intelligence to rewrite my content and I want to do, you know, um, very sophisticated uh, calculations of internal linking value and, and but they forget to do the basics really well done mm -hmm. and sometimes that 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 feels spectacularly because you know you put a lot of effort in, in things that 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 don't have a sustainable uh you know uh, ground uh, and doing the basics basics really well means that you you make your foundations really solid to work mm -hmm. on everything else that comes and you take and you take and you make the most value of what you publish and of what you mm -hmm. what you have on your website so i think masters should be able to do basic 
really well and almost flawlessly before delving into anything that is more sophisticated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, I found on your LinkedIn profile that you are uh, specialist, technical SEO consultant and UX. Uh, I'm interested, you know, because uh, when I speak with SEO uh, specialists, they usually pay attention to one direction uh, or UX or technical optimization. And, and by the way, it's interesting that who uh, uh, is paying attention to UX uh, can tell me uh, technical SEO uh, doesn't matter. Uh, people with background with technical SEO can tell uh, vice versa, you know, no, it's important to have high size speed. And uh, can you tell how to unite them all this? skills to one cohesive goal when you provide your SEO? So the, 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 the thing is that the UX part, which is, stands for user experience, user mm -hmm. experience is the whole experience that you have on your website and, and the reasons why you should do something. So the UX part gives you the whys and gives you the ammunition so you can do the technical improvements that you need to do. So it's not mm -hmm. one or the other. It's one that complements the other. And I usually, when I'm, I'm part of a product team. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, as an SEO, I'm the head of SEO at, at the company that I am at, at this time. And I, I, I'm part of a product team. And whenever I need them to do something, a, a, ch a technical change, Either it's like, an, oh, I need to, ac to have access to the server logs, so I need to have um, uh, implement a better website architecture, internal linking, whatever. Uh, these are all technical things, which then I you have a reason to developers so they can do stuff for you. Mm -hmm. And usually if you, I, I, I found out that if you base your needs and what you need to accomplish on UX principles, which fall on um, anything that covers usability, everything that co covers web accessibility, everything that covers mm -hmm. information architecture. So these are all part of UX. Mm -hmm. If if you if you back up your needs with with the documentation based on these disciplines, you are a hundred percent, two hundred percent more likely to get traction and get your things done rather than just saying it's because Google liked us, it because it's it's SEO, it's because um, Google said this. Usually these things uh, and all all things that you need to, to accomplish that drive a good user experience are backed up by disciplines that existed way before Google and that Google mm -hmm. taps in, like, like web accessibility, to... to, to to make the web useful and to index the web. So mm -hmm. if you know this discipline, if you know this area, you study them, you already are chasing after what Google is chasing. You are not chasing Google because mm -hmm. your aim as an SEO should be chase what your users want and what they will search rather than chasing Google because mm -hmm. Google chases users. So if you chase users too, you are chasing the same thing that Google is, and mm -hmm. you are not one step behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, love it, love it. Uh, can you tell? I'm interested. Uh, you uh, worked on, on Google. Uh, can you tell uh, any human being 
can understand everything from SEO. Is it possible or not? Because, you know, I often get, even John Mueller replies many times, you know, I don't know, it depends. Uh, so uh, I think uh, people can't, uh, even if they work on Google, can't know uh, everything. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I don't think anyone that wise enough says that they will know everything. Mm -hmm. um, I I like to be open to discuss anything with people that I work with, and I often mm -hmm. encourage them. Uh, I have people that report to me, and I've worked with a bunch of people that they they see they they look after me, and they kind of would respect my my opinions. But sometimes I encourage them to challenge my opinions because they, you know, they might know something or they might have experienced something, experienced something that I don't, that I didn't. And if we can make things work in a logic way, that makes sense. Again, applying everything that that we know around uh, user experience, usability, web technologies, etc., then we all end up gaining more. So I think having a posture like, oh, I know more than everyone else is a very arrogant kind of posture to have. And it, that's the moment where you stop learning. And uh -huh. yeah, both in SEO or in search, you should never stop learning because new technologies are coming out all the time. Um, new things are coming out all the time. And everyone in SEO has had different experiences on how to solve a problem. And SEOs are problem solvers by default. We are not tool operators. We are problem solvers. That's why the it depends. The it depends comes from the ways to solve a problem are different according to the different technologies that you find, according to the different technical stacks that you have, and so on. So that's a lot of it depends on the job, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we are students in this life, you know, <laughs> we, you can't be an yeah. expert. Uh, and yeah, I agree with you. you know, I, I often see some LinkedIn profiles and uh, they have a bio like uh, I'm a, a guru and SEO. I'm uh, an expert. But, you know, I can see totally the same on Neil Patel, on June Miller and many other experts, really experts, you know, because they are students, you know, they can't proclaim they are experts or gurus. So, guys, if you have it, just remove it. Uh, be uh, transparent. Tell uh, you are learning, but you have some skills to help others. You know, you, you can help in with your skills to lead them in the right direction, but uh, nobody can be an expert in this life. <laughs> Pro probably AI can, I don't know. What do you think about AI? Because, <laughs> no, I, I like it that uh, John Mueller uh, replies many times, don't use AI, it doesn't work, you can hurt your uh, quality of content, you know. But, uh, for example, I use it. I use all the time, but I edit a lot. You know, for example, I, I compared if I write myself, I can spend like, uh, I know, a, a day to write 2,000 words. But with AI, I can write like 20,000 words by, uh, but you know, uh, by editing a lot. I edit a lot, I check out, I uh, add some information manually. So what do you think about AI? Do we need to use it or not? I think... <sighs> When we make tools work to our to help us and to 
to to to to help our work it's smart mm-hmm. when we try to make tools replace our work that's when things go mm-hmm. wrong uh, a friend mm-hmm. of mine who is an automation engineer he once told me that that the 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 tricky part about automation is not making automation it's controlling the end result uh, so mm-hmm. when you don't control the end result and you implement automation in a way because ai is automation in some mm-hmm. way um, if you don't control the output then anything can come out and mm-hmm. mostly what is concerning is when it doesn't come out in terms of quality in terms of error checking when you don't control or are confident on all the variables that 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 make that thing happen, that make that work happen, then the the the, the dangerous part is that automation works at scale. So things at some point will start happening without you realizing that they are happening. And they can mm-hmm. quickly reach a level that it's like when you it's like you will find yourself at 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 the at in the very very big problem very quickly uh, mm-hmm. because of the scale of how automation works. Um, so yes, we should use AI. We should use uh, machine learning and all these technologies that we have our, at our disposal. I just don't think yet that they are ready to replace human curation. So mm-hmm. we should use to give us data, and but before it we make it public, be, so we can look and they said like edit, and 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 make it better, and look, spot the errors, so then we can makes our work makes our work easier and not harder because if we just let it lose, it can quickly become a problem, and then it just is making our work harder instead of easier. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, we should definitely use it, but you know we should always control the output. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Okay, uh, I have the question about uh, an online shop that has uh, a million products. Uh, it's hard to update all these products uh, to rewrite uh, context. Uh, what do you think? How to handle uh, a million products with limited resources? For example, if you have uh, uh, 10 people in your team who can write, but even if they check out manually, they can, I don't know, like to fix 100 pages, 1,000 pages, but not million. Uh, can you tell from your experience what to do uh, at that point? So... What I recommend here usually when people work with like a shop that sells products, you know, in the days I heard a lot of people saying, oh, you need to rewrite, you know, unique descriptions for each product that you have in your store. And that's a tricky thing to do because if you think about it, for example, I know my, I know that I like the iPhone and I want to buy an iPhone. And I know that it has a certain specs and certain things that come off the manufacturer in some way that I'm already familiar with them. And this applies to any product. So if I this microphone, this camera, or whatever, I, I know the, the 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 technical details of these things. And sometimes by rewriting them, 
if I go and I rewrite the descriptions or whatever for these products, I might be doing a disservice because I might be taking away some of the things that users know and search for just mm -hmm. because I want to make them unique. So by the time that I'm finished rewriting stuff, I will not be ranking for what most products of the same kind of, of the, the same as that rank because you are replacing the description for that product. So instead of my, my approach is that you should not change the, 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 the manufacturer description for the product, but you should add your knowledge on top of it if you have. And mm -hmm. that should be done for your most valuable products, for your products that are sell the most. And, and start there, start with the top 50 and, and then reiterate um, uh, or put some effort in, in working the categories of the products that you have listed. For example, people that search for a 45-inch TV, mm -hmm. they not, don't necessarily want to buy a 45-inch TV right away. They might be in the researching phase of looking at 45-inch TVs and seeing what brands are there. So mm -hmm. if on the category of your e-commerce site, instead of having just a listing of products, if you have like a mix of, oh, here's a small listing, and now here are the brands that are composed all the 45-inch TVs, and here's the guide that you produced on the best 45-inch TVs, if you want to download it, here it is. So make like a mixed menu of things instead of just like a, a list of, of products. So, and mm -hmm. like this, you will enrich your pages and, and will provide users value for what they are searching. So, and it's a way to invest in content that doesn't seem so overwhelming, like writing um, all the categories for all your products. Yeah, mm -hmm. sorry yeah. for the 45 inch. It was just an example. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Don't love take it. things I so literally. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you, you unhided my uh, secret, you know, how to handle the process because I stole the secret uh, from Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Uh, you know, these guys uh, shared uh, uh, that you need this to. This from me. Uh, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> and uh, and they shared you need to prioritize all your efforts. For example, uh, if you have uh, product A and product B, you spend like a thousand dollars to promote uh, all these products. But when uh, you sell two times more A than B, why you need to market B if you can uh, market two times more uh, A and uh, get uh, four times more? You know, yeah simple prioritization if you have limited resources don't try to sell anything just find priorities and jump on that yeah i, I agree with that uh, i'm interested about ux can you tell uh, how to uh, check out ux today okay we can open google analytics to uh, analyze uh, common metrics like time on site uh, bounce rate but what about uh, uh, other aspects like simplicity, personalization, or uh, how do we know that our content is uh, standing out from the rest? Provide more insights about UX. So, 
things like uh, what I usually recommend is, you know, combine metrics. Like because looking at metrics in an isolated way, for for example, looking at at, at bounce rate, will mm -hmm. not tell you that your page is good or is bad. All you know is that bounce rate is the metric that says the user didn't visit any other pages when they mm -hmm. after they landed on this one. And that can mean a lot of things. That can mean that, for example, if I do a search for a 45-inch TV, and if I come to the page and read about it, and I'm happy with the content and I close my browser, did I have a bad experience? Not necessarily, but I created, I generated a bounce. So, you know, it's already mm -hmm. like a, a wrong way of interpreting that metric. Some people associate bounce rate with, with a bad thing, when necessarily it, it isn't. On the other way, I could have landed on a page that doesn't have necessarily what I want, and I clicked through a bunch of other pages trying to find what I wanted on that website, and I didn't generate a bounce. And mm -hmm. and that's not a good experience. So again, a bounce is like a metric that's very tricky, and it should not be looked at in a, in isolated in an isolated way. Mm -hmm. So, um, I always like try to combine like you know, look at scroll depth. Look at uh, we we can use like scroll depth nowadays with with with. Google Manager or, or, you know, firing events throughout the page or um, combining other metrics. I don't know, like use a heat map, use like look at heat maps um, and, 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 and make sure that users are doing what you expect them to do. They're, they're not clicking in places that they think it's a button. It isn't. So, you know, there is, there is a very uh, identifying success is just like, a combination of metrics and you have to decide which metrics define success in your case if it's like scroll depth combined with any other things then go that way if it's subscribing leaving the email then track that but never look at those metrics in isolation i think the biggest mistake is looking at metrics in isolation or even rankings in isolation and, and mm -hmm. not understanding the, the whole picture. So I'd say like the best in thing that say you are being successful is that you are consistently you have you have stable rankings. You are not fluctuating all the time, and that you mm -hmm. are consistently uh, there on the positions and and that people have you have a good CTR, you have a good um, um, uh, conversion in whatever that means to you, etc. So, look at metrics together, never in isolation. If that's mm -hmm. to be done, yeah, love it, love it. Uh, let's talk about technical optimization. Uh, for example, when I check out any website, I can see a bunch of technical errors, and in most cases, uh, web developers can't fix uh, even. Uh, I don't know, huge percent of these uh, errors, you know, a lot of. And uh, it's not only about my website, about my clients, many others. They want to see in green zone, you know, according to PageSpeed Insights. What do you think? How to find this balance between uh, what we can fix, what we can't fix? Because, you know, I, I often see when websites in the top 10 results in uh, red zone, and they don't care about that. Probably uh, they care, I don't know, but uh, they rank well. What do you think about that? So, 
it, it, it all comes down to a matter of cost versus benefit, right, in the end. Because the uh, what I found from working on core vitals is that there's so much you can fix, for example, until you hit third-party code. Um, it's very easy to fix things that you control, but then once you have, like, tags from other third-party code providers on your website, it, it's very difficult to to control what those that, that piece, those pieces of code do. So I would say start and by solving and focusing on what you control and and making a progress there and 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 you know of course like you have to understand what is costly to fix versus what is easy to fix and kind of you know going there and then it comes to third party code what i uh, seen that it works is uh, you need to track performance. So mm-hmm. once you have a way that you are tracking how each piece of third-party code affects your website in terms of how much does it, this ad provider or this, uh, I don't know, affiliate widget is slowing down my website. How much does mm-hmm. it contribute to the core web vitals? And once you have that information, you can look at it and say, okay, uh, you are making me this amount of money on one side. On the other side, you are, you know, harming me this much. Is it worth it? And if mm-hmm. uh, and if it isn't, then you go to the third-party code provider and say, look, this is how much I'm making from you, and this is how much you are costing me. So either you fix the code, or I'll have to remove it in case... Of course, it costs you money and doesn't. It makes you a very little margin. So, you always have to have a piece of information to look at and 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 to compare revenue, compare how much you are you are making off instead how much it's costing you. Because if it's making you a lot of money, it's, co- it's costing you very little, and it's impacting your core battles a bit. It's very likely mm-hmm. that's not going to make a huge difference. That fix. Or mm-hmm. people are not going to want it to, to touch it. So mm-hmm. you'll have better traction with other items. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, James uh, is asking about KPIs, how to uh, measure KPIs. By the way, uh, on the previous uh, live stream, uh, Andrew uh, Optimize shared some insights how to do it in Google Analytics. You can set up and uh, analyze KPIs uh, just doing uh, only on Google Analytics. So if you're interested, you can watch uh, the previous live stream and he shared like five minutes uh, the technical aspect how to do it. Can you uh, uh, reply to this question as well about KPIs in the show? So uh, I... I usually there are because there are KPIs that are value driven in SEO, but there's a, there are a lot of KPIs that are mitigation of risk. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's not only the value or the impact that a piece of work will have, but also what it will prevent from happening. How, what bad things can this prevent from happening and how would these bad things impact you negatively if you would left them unche- uh, unchecked or unfixed? 
So if you, sometimes you have to look at value in SEO from you know a mitigation of risk point of view rather than just value and impact point of view. And once you have that, you will be in a better position to negotiate if things will go ahead or not. Of mm -hmm. course, you have to have like a fair assessment of what risk represents for your business. Uh, you know what? What if we leave this, you know, broken amp setup in our business and and we don't fix it? How much impact is gonna is this gonna have? Um, you'll have to to look in how much revenue you have from amp, how much having broken pages impact you from appearing uh, well. In, in well 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 placed if if at all or if users have a tough time using your site when it's not amp so mm -hmm. all of that kind of counts into the calculations of the mitigation for example in this the case that I was illustrating um so you ha you have to I recommend that you look at SEO value and KPIs not only from a perspective of, of adding value but from a, a, a a perspective of preventing bad things from happening mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah uh james uh added about i guess i just don't see marketing software development is equally analyzed as a new feature or technical depth etc uh you know for me for me uh, i i can feel about seo uh you know it's a risky game as well you know it's, it's not like gambling but it's uh, it's a risky game you can win traffic you can lose traffic you can uh, competitors can outsmart you uh, so yeah uh, it happens it's the same for example when people want to lose weight you know uh, 90 percent of people can't lose weight you know uh, they uh, started to eat uh, healthy food, go to train, uh, sleep well, but they can't lose weight because uh, sometimes they can fail uh, to continue this way. You know, they give up. Or, for example, it's the same like learning French. If someone wanna learn French, uh, many people can't learn. Uh, a new language because they give up it's hard to do it SEO is the same you know you need to uh, uh to go ahead uh, to learn uh, to fail many times for example uh, i don't know what works for me I, I need to test many different strategies to think uh, which one will work for me uh, how to optimize it's a, a hard game a long playing game so for me uh, it's uh, like gambling, uh, but you know, uh, if you don't give up, if you go ahead, if you cooperate with experts, you know who uh, who know how to to you know how to go in ahead. Uh, and you know, for example, I failed uh, one time with projects. Um, uh, I decided to uh, earn money with one project uh, five years ago. Uh, I opened a, a website that, and I, I didn't understand anything about this niche. That was not my niche. Uh, three years, I spent all my resources and uh, gave up. Uh, and you know, <laughs> I got experience. I never uh, take any niche uh, if I don't understand this niche. If it's not mine, it's better to skip it and go with something that you understand. That's why uh, I'm learning a lot about uh, my customers before uh, trying to help them and uh, uh, I usually tell success depends on you not me you know I can't help you I can only to show the way where you need to go but if you create low quality content if you uh, can't help me to uh, optimize website how I can help you <laughs> you know that way so yeah 
it's my point of view. Yeah, you are exactly right. And I usually use that analogy a lot. Like SEO is like being uh, a nutritionist, like that advising mm -hmm. people how to lose weight or even being a lawyer. Like the lawyer cannot promise to make you innocent. Mm -hmm. They can promise to argue the best to their case. So there's a lot of it depends also in, in law, in, in interpreting mm -hmm. the law and making a narrative. And SEO is very similar in, in the aspects like we don't know all the variables that Google is going to look at. Yeah. And uh, like every everybody works in a different way. That's why the same way to lose weight doesn't work with everyone. Because mm -hmm. he, my body and your body and everyone else's body is different and they react differently to, to different types of food. So we we assuming that the same diet or the same food is going to have the same effect in everyone. It's not true. And so yeah. that's a lot of, a lot of, on it depends. And what you said and rightfully so is like, if my website is crap and I optimize it, I'm not going to turn crap into strawberries. I'm gonna stick with optimized crap. Uh, I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna turn. I'm not gonna turn a, a bad thing into a good thing just because I did SEO on top of it. So if you don't have value at the start, if your if your product, if your website doesn't drive value or deliver value to users, adding SEO on top of it will very unlikely. Uh, is going to do anything good for it or is it just going to expose more how bad your website is uh, and then it's going to work against you so mm -hmm. yes the examples that you gave are, are right spot on and i usually give the same examples many times yeah mm -hmm. yeah love it love it uh thanks again for your time it's a big pleasure you know uh, to get you on my show tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you so I'm usually very uh, heavy Twitter user. So I'm at, at Pedro Diaz on Twitter and there's the handle on mm -hmm. screen. Uh, so if you, uh, I usually reply to people uh, when they ask me uh, things, if they're not like bad people on Twitter and kind of, you know. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> the thing is that, uh, that, that Twitter can be very toxic and very good. I have I have very friendship came with it. I well, that you know they will read everything very literally that that, that you say and some, sometimes life doesn't work that way much less seo seo is not literal at all it's like you have to interpret the things in context so mm -hmm. reach out to me on twitter you know you can add me on linkedin also it's it's better years on twitter as well on linkedin too and yeah those those are the main ways of getting in touch with me Mm -hmm. nice nice james thanks a lot for your questions you know you're super active and you know uh, it's interesting about twitter uh, you replied that you uh, help others but you know when elon musk decided to deny his first proposition to buy twitter because of uh spam because spam, yeah. uh yeah and uh, because he wants uh, he and... wants to prove that he wants proof that twitter has like less than five percent spam or something like this which yeah, is like ludicrous yeah. and interesting after that Rand fishkin decided to share his study that uh, uh that was around 90 percent of twitter users are bots <laughs> so be careful with that because <laughs> you can get these spam messages on twitter on linkedin as well you know yeah i i often yeah. get these spam messages so uh, on email everywhere so i think uh, spam is the 
part of the process. You need to filter out. Yeah, by the way, emails can help, you know, to find a lot of spam to remove it. But on Twitter and LinkedIn, yeah, it's more harder, but it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Pedro. Yeah, it's a big pleasure. Guys, you can find links to Pedro Diaz uh, on the description below. Listen on us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.